You're listening to CounterTalks, Canada's podcast for the equipment and event rental industry. CounterTalks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to CounterTalks. This is Pat Flannery. Really great conversation today with Rob Messina. He is the Vice President of Product Development for JLG. Um, wanted to get uh, Rob on just to have, a, I guess, a 30,000-foot conversation about uh, electrification of uh, lifts, uh, uh, aerial lifts, boom lifts, uh, all manner of uh, elevated work platforms. And uh, just wanted to uh, address with him uh, where he saw the trends in the industry going, um, what the uh, newest technology is able to offer us, um, what some of the uh, limits might be on the new technology, uh, 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 lithium uh, batteries, obviously, uh, electrification, obviously, has been around for quite a while, but uh, there's uh, a lot more going on with lithium these days. And of course, um, with uh, uh, cities and uh, different uh, jurisdictions around the world um, saying they're trying to get away from internal combustion engines and uh, fuel burning equipment of all kinds. Um, what does this mean for uh, the lift industry? What does this mean for your rental fleet? And uh, how, uh, how, how we see things going in the future uh, with, uh, with electrification and, uh, and, and the advances that this kind of uh, technology might bring us. So uh, please enjoy my conversation with uh, Rob Messina. He is an engineer by trade, and we had uh, lots of, uh, lots of uh, deep dives into the weeds on uh, all the technology involved. Hope you enjoy. All right, folks, here with Rob Messina. He's from JLG. VP of Product Development, and uh, I wanted to have Rob on today because, uh, oh, I was poking around and saw a press release from, uh, actually, I think it was Atlas Copco, uh, talking about uh, uh, electrification of uh, construction equipment and and how it's basically uh, uh, the wave of the future and, uh, and, and no one's going to be using gas diesel in a few years. Well, they didn't really say that, but it was, you know, the tone to that effect. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about lifts and, and, and because I, I think there's been more uh, going on there than maybe any other equipment sector, as far as uh, 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 making, getting bigger units uh, uh, using electrics, um, especially lithium that uh, change from lithium to the, uh, the older style batteries. Um, and I uh, just wanted to get Rob in here to go over all of this and, and what it might mean for our fleets uh, going for the next few years. So hi, Rob, how are you doing? Hey Patrick, how are you? I'm good. Good, I'm good, good on my end. Good on my end. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, uh, Rob, why don't we just start off by uh, uh, giving the good folks uh, some of your background and uh, what you're uh, what you're doing for JLG these days? Yeah, so just a little bit of my. I'm an engineer by trade. I spent 15 years in the auto industry before coming to the construction industry. I've been with JLG almost 14 years now. Um, I'm responsible for the product portfolio and all the product, all the cool products that we innovate. Great, great. It's a big job. That must uh, keep you out of trouble. It's a it's a fun job. I yeah. wouldn't say it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> part of having a fun job means getting into trouble. That's right. You got to get into a little trouble for now. That good. Well, we'll try to keep you out of trouble here. The uh, uh, tell me, I guess first of all, uh, t- tell me a bit about trends in uh, in uh, in electrical lifts. Uh, uh, what are you guys seeing as far as interest in the market? 
as far as uh, uh, growth and, and and changes in the in the technology. What, what what's driving uh, what I what I think is an increased interest? I don't know if you agree. Oh, for sure, absolutely. There's a trend there. If we step back a little bit and we look at the megatrend, the global megatrend, the new societal deal is a big driver in this push towards electrification. And I think, again, if we look to parallel to other industries, you'll see a lot of folks talk about why electrification is the right answer. Some say, hey, it's not the be all end all. But what it is, is an answer to this, I'll say this new societal deal, where folks, um, especially those coming into a buying power position, voting position, are looking for more climate-based responsible actions by, in, in our case, the industrial construction industry. You know, um, people are very focused on the environment. So that's a key driver of electrification. Is it the solution that we think reduces the, um, I'll say the carbon footprint of um, the construction industry, where primarily where our lifts are used? You know, I think when we think, Patrick, about the industrial applications, interior building maintenance, those solutions have been electrified for some time. Right. You know, the scissor lifts have been, um, and even non-construction boom lifts have been electrified for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. This is just the, the move, you're, the push you're seeing now is these high power intensity, you know, off-road, high a demand duty cycle requirements. That's where the new technologies are letting us um, create the electric solution. That maybe historically we didn't have. And technically, what's driving that, Rob? Why? Uh, why? Why are we now able to 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 do more with heavier applications uh, on an electric model than we used to be? Well, for sure, the battery technology right. is advancing, and. Again, we have to thank the auto, not to keep pointing at auto, but auto drives a lot of volume. There's a lot of money, drives a lot of tech enhancement and then we can benefit from in an answery sort of way. Um, so that's good for us to see. But also um, the industry and by industry, I mean, the supply base has been preparing for the shift to electrification for 20 years. So if you had asked us in 2000, to take these construction machines to an electric solution, it's a lot harder to get the subcomponents, the motors, um, wheel drives, et cetera. Now these are becoming more available and by more available, that means there are better price points, which let's face it, a big hurdle for adoption. One of the hurdles to adoption of an electrified solution is cost. Hmm. Um, the folks that use our machines are very focused on their return on their investment and the cost and when acquisition cost of an electric machine has a significant a premium, we have to make choices. So as auto auto industry and other industries, as many, many construction OEMs and industrial OEMs are moving to electric, it's really improving the robustness in the supply base. So the consumption devices on the machine draw, they're more efficient. So you kind of get the double whammy. You get the um, new technology in the battery space, which gets more energy, stored energy onto a machine. And you get, um, I'll say, more efficient consuming components in, in that machine system, coupled with the lower cost 
this is turning into a win-win. So as a manufacturer, when you guys, uh, when GLG wanted to go out and expand their, their electrified uh, uh, offering, which I, I believe there were some new models yeah. announced not too long ago. Yeah, uh, constantly. And I, I, yeah, I got uh, my memory. Yeah. Is we have conversion uh, kits. We have boom lifts. Yeah. We're moving into the construction space. You know, different regions, Patrick, you know, will be maybe ahead of other regions. Like Europe for sure has yeah. some mandates in place that force them there. China's on that path. And as you know, China has done quite a bit to um, prepare their supply base for an electric future, as well as uh, North America. Now, did, did you guys have to go do a whole lot of original R&D to, uh, to come up with the components uh, that, that you were talking about uh, uh, for the machinery? Or is it getting to the point where a lot of things were available off the shelf? Uh, how, did, how, did, how, does, how, did, how did all that pan out? I would say not a lot quote-unquote, off the shelf. Right. Yes, you're seeing more, I'll say, portfolio in the supply base of componentry that simply needs to be adapted or modified based on the engineered solution. But our products um, are highly engineered. Yeah. We develop a system, not just a component. So we do quite a bit of work with our partners in supply base to develop solutions that are optimized for this application you know the lift at height or access industry right. quite a bit of work going on in this space yeah yeah i think everybody and, and just just even when i look at the the various machines from the various manufacturers out there it does look like people take, take slightly different approaches uh, uh depending uh depending what they uh, uh what their own engineers have told them i guess um the yeah uh, yeah i think the great point you made there slightly yeah. right yeah. You're not seeing massive swings. What you're seeing is a new or relatively young industry moving to electrified solutions, and they will over time converge on where are the common points because that benefits everybody. I'm just being honest. Like yeah. We all want to move in the right direction. Obviously, we all have advantages, but also – each OEM takes their own approach to what end use or job to be done. They're looking for their customers to be able to, because there's always trades. You know, every engineer will tell you this, you know, there's trades. We can put more stored energy on the machine, but then that means it's heavier, more expensive. So maybe that lasts longer today, but now you have a customer base that's looking for a shorter use case cycle. So they want less stored energy and a lower price point. These are the kind of trades that that's where you're seeing the divergence in solutions. I think you're seeing a common, a relatively close alignment on the voltage level folks are running. Mm -hmm. I think, um, and not to get too technical, but I think in time, you know, 10 years, maybe 20 years, because that's a few cycles, right? If our industry cycles every seven to eight years, um, over a few cycles, you'll see this converge. Same way you've seen with the uh, internal combustion solutions have converged, and there's a lot of commonality out there in the market. Yeah, because you can go out and buy off-the-shelf uh, third-party uh, uh, batteries for 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 for, yeah. the, for the old school uh, electrified uh, uh, lifts. Yeah. But uh, I, I imagine, uh, uh, tell me if I'm right. I imagine the electronics uh, and the need to interface. Uh, a lithium battery would would prevent that at least at least for a while. 
I think, yeah, that's a, gr- a great way to look at it. What's going on is there's a lot of work in the battery chemistry space in which chemistry gets selected makes a big deal on how you manage your charging and the BMS solution or battery management system solution. Um, that's where you're seeing this. Again, this is growing pains as the industry works this out. You'll see over time would, I think would the, our customer, our first customer, sort of the rental house, they would like to see a common standard, right? Because that makes it easiest from a maintenance standpoint. But there's a lot of system engineering that happens that triggers different choices, different choices translate to different end user solution from a charging standpoint. I think over time, though, what you'll see is even if it's not optimized, you will see some level of plug and play. I think that if we look at other industries that have gone electric, you see that. And then the converse side of that is there's a lot of focus on why OEM solution is that OEM solution. And then you see differences too, you know, clear differences in operating performance characteristics based on which target customer they have. Yeah. I I mean that, that, yeah, the, the electric, I, I, the, the example I always think of when I think about the, the difference with, with interfacing with, with lithium batteries is, uh, is uh, I remember a few years back, uh, they, Apple actually did a, uh, did a, a, an operating system update that improved the battery life on the phone. And and it's like, how can your operating system, which is, just code uh, do anything about about how the about about how long the battery lasts, right? I mean, I mean, if you're talking about an old school battery, that that, that would be basically be yeah. impossible. Uh, but uh, but but that's 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 the sort of interface. So as you can see, it it adds that level of complexity uh, where where it makes it it makes it that much harder to just have a cookie cutter solution. It's not just hooking up wires and letting the voltage flow, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. For, first of all, just for all of our electrical folks out there and software. You know, I'm a mechanical guy, so I've been accused hey, of, I'll say, <laughs> demeaning the software guys of, hey, it's, it's just code. So first, for the record, I didn't say that. Uh, yeah. Second, no, <laughs> no, no. The, the truth is there's a lot of sophistication in what's going on with control. Yeah. And these, you know, our computer engineers, our software engineers, these these folks are phenomenal and they're doing awesome things so when you talk about the um battery updates and the ios update you're going to see like that's why uh, an engineered solution will eke out additional battery life which will be important you know with the flooded lead acid which is kind of legacy technology a lot of maintenance associated with fla and there's battery replacement this becomes a maintenance cost driver with the customer base and maybe has been a hurdle to adoption as we move to lithium ion or alternative because i expect you'll see more evolution of this tech um it's maintenance free so then it becomes how do we extend the life of the battery how do we maximize what we get from a charging kit that's where the sophistication and i assure you um the software folks they're phenomenal they do amazing things and we need them 
they 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 really are and i don't understand anything that they do and so it's good, it's good, it's good, that, it's good that they do because i don't okay. <laughs> so that's awesome do, do you think uh you know you you mentioned the old lead acid uh, like like are there still are there still roles for that is, is is that something that 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 is going to hang around or is it just going to get wiped away by the by the lithium uh, ultimately um i think that and i would just try to study history we rarely see a tech get completely phased out right there are absolutely applications for fla it's absolutely from a cost standpoint mm-hmm. it's significantly better cost position than lithium solutions right now but it has trades it has maintenance trades it has replacement trades if you don't maintain it the right way then you get to replace it early um but some of the recycling things have been worked out on fla right. so what i think is to see a transition over time there's a an, an end use a job to be done that requires lithium of course it's a purist standpoint, from engineering standpoint, you want those type of chemistries. They're the cleanest for you to deal with from an energy density standpoint. Um, it's just all about where is the market at. So I would say it will largely be based on the customer base and the, the premium because there's absolutely a price premium that comes with those solutions. The flip side, and again, you mentioned this five, 10 minutes ago. Um, hey, how is the supply base reacting and converging? I think what you'll see is there's only uh, there's a limited number of cell manufacturers now that will increase over time. And when when we get to commo- I don't want to say commoditization because I don't like that word exactly, but as we get a more robust, more available system that provides lithium-based solutions everywhere. I do think that's where you can see the market go, um, just because so many advantages. And when you get enough mass of volume, you'll see the price points get to where they need to be. And then it's an easy choice to flip to lithium. And you've seen other markets do that. You've, you've seen it happen, like in your tools, your tool industry. Well, let, let, let me ask you, and, and, and this could be coming from ignorance because I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of all your offerings, but um, uh, do, do you want to give me some breaking news? Is it JLG's plan to phase out uh, uh, lead acid or have you already? Or, or is what, 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 what's, the, what's the future look like for you, for you guys as far as that? I think, again, as a purist, as an engineer, I'd like to get there, but no, we're, we're not there. We offer flood yeah. of lead acid. We offer lithium solutions. Yeah. Uh, our industrial products for some time have offered FLA and mm-hmm. they will continue. If, if that's where the customer demand is, that's where we'll stay. We're, we're pretty focused, as I think every OEM is very focused on what does the customer base want? Because yeah. I can like all day long as an engineer, a, a shiny object. If a customer doesn't find value in it, it becomes hard to justify to my own set of bosses, you know? That, it, that is, very, very true. Uh, I think everybody. I think everybody encounters that one. Um, so you made a you made an interesting uh, 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 comment there that uh, that you thought uh, possibly even lithium wasn't wasn't the end of the road for for future technology. Um, what 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 do you see coming in batteries? Uh, uh, is there is there some sort of science fiction thing I'm not aware of? 
that, uh, that, 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 that might be out there, might be in the works for, uh, for battery technology? Um, yeah, there's a number. So there's alternatives to lithium that are being pursued from an R&D standpoint. Um, so I would say, yeah, you're going to see alternatives to um, lithium. You could see hydrogen also, right? Right. There's a lot of right. folks focused on hydrogen. It doesn't just have to be the battery with the, the graphene kind of deal. Um, there's a number of approaches that the world is looking at, and I stress the world. Right. I don't think anybody knows the answer. I don't profess to know. I'm not the battery expert um, by a long shot. There's like really, really smart people working on this and trying to figure out. Um, I think when you, even when you consider what's out there with how do we deal with um, recycling, yep. this will drive new development. So I would say as an engineer, try to tell our teams, just keep an open mind all the time. We always have to be looking. The near term, near target is lithium though, for sure. Yeah, they. I, I know they. Um, I know they. Uh, you know, there's there's some ideas that wanting to to be able to have other options because, um, uh, well, for one thing, if I'm not mistaken, most lithium comes from China, uh, and uh, people worry about uh, supply chains there uh, sometimes down the road. Um, but uh, that that is <clears throat> the hydrogen thing is a, is a is such a neat solution. Uh, but on the other hand, I don't know if I want to be riding around in a lift with a tank of hydrogen underneath me. That seems like a it seems like a scary proposition. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I think that's the historic view. That's often the yeah, yeah. What you're seeing now is lower pressure systems on on machine reformers. Oh, that take away some of these risks that you're talking about. And again, I, I think we're an observer right now, trying to pay attention. Yeah. That's, but that's why you see the long haul folks on road trucks, you know, Europe, that's why you see the investments there. If we can make the process of getting hydrogen more efficient or less energy intensive, and you can deal with some of the, some of the you know, comments you made, which I, <laughs> we understand, trust me, we understand. Um, this could be also interesting um, and you see a number of manufacturers trying to double down. Now, we look history again. We talked earlier about history. It, it feels like as an engineer, you you always have that undercurrent saying, "Oh, within ten years we're going to have hydrogen." That goes all the way back to the fifties. Oh, within yeah. ten years we're going to have hydrogen. So it's this constant, you know, carrot, you know, dangling carrot. I would just encourage us, just like we talked about, is lithium that the answer? Well, right now it looks to be, but there's a lot of, one thing that's nice about the world today, from an R&D standpoint, research and development, you've seen a lot of people willing to invest mm. and they're willing to invest. Um, you know, Canada's doing quite a bit in electrification and hydrogen. Mm -hmm. The government is trying to incentivize industry to go there. Um, yeah. So we work with R&D companies across Canada, as well as in North America, as well as in Europe, trying to make sure our portfolio is looking at all of these alternatives, recognizing they're not two-year, five-year 
you know, to, to yeah. maturation. They might be 10 years or more out, but I think this is okay. A low pressure system sounds like a good idea. If they, if they can figure out a way to lower, 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 yeah, lower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lower. You're not down to a propane tank yet. But, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can, yeah, if you can figure out a way to keep it from blowing up, the hydrogen is definitely the cleanest, uh, is definitely the cleanest alternative. So, so in terms of, uh, in terms of advances, uh, we might see maybe in the shorter term than this crazy hydrogen stuff or whatever. Um, the um, um, I wrote down a, a couple of things on the uh, on the list. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Just just rank these or or maybe comment on each of them where where you think they're going to come in. We, we we obviously want longer battery life. We want better cold weather performance, and we want yeah. uh, we want uh, exchange we want exchangeable batteries like on your your yeah. lawn equipment where you can where you can swap yeah. them in and out instead of having to charge them. Um, maybe maybe wh where do you think each of those what do you think we're going to see in each of those categories as we as we go forward in the next i don't know five ten years again five ten years is short term i don't see i think you'll see a lot of work in the um the recycling will be a big focus how do we get second life think about this if you have a multi hundred kilowatt hour solution used in application a when the charge state or depletion reaches a point, that battery doesn't simply need to be disassembled and <clears throat> turned into this subcomponent that can be reconstituted, reformulated based on the modules into lower power dense applications. So that's one possible alternative. Of course, you have many, many companies trying to figure out how do they capture the residual value in those batteries from a second life standpoint. So I think that's going to be the two to five year focus is how do we get into the second life of the lithium that's your two to five um to the swappable tool i don't think that the industry will be there soon i think just in another parallel to auto you know they tried that um the fork the vertical forklifts did a lot of work when they were using flooded lead acid on swappable batteries so we've seen industries try to figure out how to do swappable batteries. Um, so that's something that could come in the next five years, five to 10 years. Um, but those would be the two I would focus on of your list there. Uh, the chemistries are gonna be a lot farther out. You know, we have the LFP, we have the NMC. There's a number of chemistries, but you kind of have those two dominant ones in the lithium space. Um, yes, we're looking, or the industry is looking at non-lithium based because of supply chain concerns. But then also you see lithium mines trying to get the permitting to move that forward. I think regionally across the globe, there's interest in resiliency in the supply base, which means you can't have 65% of your lithium coming from a single region. I, that's absolute, that's going to get solved. Um, but that's why also you see this you know, pursuit of the sodium stuff or the um, solid state batteries, which again, is a little bit farther out, but there's a, just a, a tremendous amount of work going into this. There, there is an amazing Eight. amount of, amazing amount of work and investment, right? Like, I mean, like you say, I mean, yeah. you know, starting with, you know, companies like Tesla and, you know, and then, and then all the way, all the way everywhere else. I mean, it's just, uh, the, 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 the amount of, it makes you want, it makes you wonder, you know, where the, 
if, if if there's a wall or if there's a ceiling they're going to hit on 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 the life because uh, uh, it's just the improvements have been have been spectacular to uh, at least from my, yeah. from my perspective it's it's been it's been amazing what these uh, engineers have been able to do uh, uh, given the given the time and the money right um, yeah. what about chart so what about all, I, all, yeah. all I heard there was engineers are amazing. Given the time and the money, <laughs> given the time and the money, those are all okay. constraints, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> we need we need somebody to stand up and say, "I want to," you know, "I I I, I want a week long battery in ten years and do an Apollo program or something." Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I, that is awesome. Giving this industry challenges and having a reward for achieve achievements like. I agree with you. There's a it it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on. And certainly we are not able to do that. I think when we take times like this to sit back and think about what's going on, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing we can count on is the world will keep innovating and trying to make the planet better. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just one avenue to making those improvements. So I agree, given the time and money. Yeah, given the time and money. Charging time, Rob. What what's the constraint? Yeah. What what's the constraint on that? And 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 are we going to see improvements there? Yes, we're absolutely going to see improvements. I think globally governments are pretty focused on infrastructure. If I were to lay this out for you a map, like power generation is at, frankly is not really the problem um power distribution we could argue that that's maybe kind of the second uh tier um this distribution but the charging at the charging level due to the infrastructure that exists is a problem consumption of power like the machine we should be clear you know i'm an oem developing electrified product is not the barrier to charging times um, the barrier is going to come into the, the charging infrastructure. So if we say power generation, the power companies can turn on, and, and they've shown this, when demand signals are there, they can uh, pretty quickly, like in five-year cycles, add quite a bit of available power. Um, the distribution system largely exists across the globe. Where we're struggling is these uh, I call it the grid. I don't. I, I don't want to use that cliche term, but think about when a city is built. That's when its infrastructure goes in. So a lot of our charging infrastructure points, charging points that we have to deal with, are based on the oldest part of the grid and the hardest to upgrade. Right. So where the focus will be in this regard is the charging and the charging infrastructure and the grid robustness. Uh, the machines can be there. We, if you're familiar with uh, level one, level two, level three charging, mm-hmm. think we would like to see this industry go to DC, DC fast charging. Uh, but there, we have a lot of uh, the industry has a lot of work to do to get us there. Um, I think the machines will get there. I think the power availability will be there. It's just how do you get these distribution points that allow the charging at those rates you talked about this the how we manage battery and battery charging that's going to get tied into how do we hook up to a charger and optimize how much flow we allow out of the charging device 
into the machine. So yeah, this is a, you're hitting on actually when I've talked in different forums about electrification, I believe that's probably a bigger barrier than cost because I think you're going to see regulatory requirements drive us, drive our industry to adopt and adapt to the, the different price points. But if we can't charge machines, if you can't charge a machine and you can't use the machine, the machine has no value. And our only role in the industry is to provide solutions that provide value. If they have value, then they can be translated to a return. If they can be translated to a return, then um, you know the customer base likes to use them. Hmm. That's an interesting point. I I, I had not uh, I had not thought about uh, yeah the the the, the lim- that a lot of the limitations on on charging times are are well probably all of them are 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 at that infrastructure level and uh, and and if you could just you know, if you could have a better supply, you'd uh, and, and the right kind of the right kind of hookup, you'd be you'd you'd be a lot farther ahead. But it takes time to develop that. Um, actually, what <laughs> side question? I was talking to Amber before he even got on. If you're if you're if you're trying to charge your lift on on some oil field out in Alberta and you're using a generator, um, are, are you gonna are you gonna hurt it with it? Like if you get a dirty supply there, is that gonna do damage no. to it? No, that's when we talk about the BMS. That's why. The battery management, a lot of what it does is protect mm. the batteries. Okay. Um, we have dealt with, not in Canada, but in different regions, dirty power. I bet. And dirty power causes a lot of problems. Um, I, for those that don't know dirty power, just you don't have a clean input uh, or stable power level, so you get power surges. Yeah. Power surges, just like in your home computer, uh, they can cause problems when you have instability in a grid. And we've seen that. And the way we've dealt with that is think of the charger and battery management system as a buffer, as a gatekeeper to allowing what power or what energy, think of it as energy, not really power, but energy, the energy being provided to your um, battery or stored energy solution. So that gatekeeper, it's important to get the gatekeeper right that's why there's a lot of focus on the machine oem side to do that we want to protect the battery battery's a big investment you know this is a significant uh, portion of the price when someone buys a machine that if it's electrified a big chunk of that cost is the battery that's like the jewel on the machine you know the ultimate jewel is the human that's at height but i think from a machine you know the, the metal yeah battery is kind of your got to protect it good but got to got to get the got to get the plug in for uh for canada here beautiful clean power everywhere and 600 volts of it uh if you're in an industrial setting my friend so uh you know don't don't sneeze it don't sneeze at canada's power grid we we're ready for electrification up here yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to see that when we brought the machine tools in from the United States because uh, they would only be wired for, um, well, I think it's 240 or something uh, uh, down there. And and, uh, and and some of the fat and the factories up here all use 600. So, there yeah, you. no, no, we, we definitely like the three phase power. We definitely, but that brings along, you know, training and all kinds of requirements. So, what you see, this is maybe an interesting point, you know. This is why you'll see folks try to stay under 60 volts on their machines. Right. If you can do it, because that, from a safety standpoint, it's um, a lot 
easier to do it. A lot less training, a lot less redundancy, a lot less protection systems required. Once you cross that 60 volt threshold, you'll see a lot more work goes into the machine design mm. to protect the to protect the maintainers. Right. Right. And you know, isolate these systems. Good stuff. Um, you're working all over the world uh, uh, in, yeah. in, in all these in all these different regions. You, you made a quick allusion to, uh, to 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 Europe and some regulations that are coming in there. Uh, what do you see going on in the regulatory environment, Rob? As far as uh, as far as maybe maybe restricting the use of uh, of fuel burning uh, uh, machinery and 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 uh, almost uh, I don't know forcing encouraging uh, uh, more electrification on uh, on, on lifts. Yeah, great. I mean, great question. I think the reason I brought up Europe is they're taking a more from within their region sort of unified front where they're trying to migrate away from uh, diesel-based or, you know, combustion engine-based solutions mm -hmm. um, focused on the carbon footprint. I think we see in China or Asia some job sites moving to you pay a penalty. You're not restricted from using ICE, but you just pay a fee to use diesel on uh, um, a job site. And then in North America, we have cities, certain city centers yep. clearly saying, we're only gonna use electric. We, in, in the United States specifically, we have a state saying, and other states looking to follow state, we're going to have a very progressive timeline for phasing out internal combustion engines. Other states are not following that. Um, so we see, I would say the focus in North America has been city centers. Other than, you know, California, the city centers largely have been driving for regulations that, you know, trigger the adoption of an electrified product. Right, right. Well, and it'll be it'll be coming soon to Canada here, too. I know uh, I know there's definitely for sure. There's definitely lots of yeah. lots of rhetoric uh, about that. Uh, the 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 they'll be wanting to get rid of gas burning Absolutely. diesel diesel burning equipment in all in every not just everything uh, uh uh as soon as they as soon as it's possibly technically feasible i have i have very little yep. doubt that. i agree and i think like i'm i'm not trying to be evasive i'm just, these regulations change so fast what i think you see here oh. is kind of one state in in the u.s that said this is the way we're going and we see several other states lining up they just I don't have enough clarity to, or, you know, I can't say, oh, this is the answer, but for sure, like I mentioned earlier, I, I do work with a number of companies in Canada today on research-based or um, electrification-based. I think you guys, from when I say you guys, um, Canada's government for sure pushing, this helps. If you're an engineer, the regulation, it makes it a lot easier to know what to do, mm. right? Mm -hmm. In the absence of regulation, when we're trying to guess, when there is no regulation, and I'm not saying, hey, here I'm advocating for tons of regulation. I just like clarity. Yeah. You know, the clarity helps. In forecast, forecasting, where do we want to go? Um, that helps us make choices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that said, uh, is gas and diesel uh, lifts always going to be with us? Or uh, or or is it or is it is it going to go away? Or, or are there applications so, where you're you're just not going to be able to use an electrified solution? So my 
kids, both of my boys, both of our boys, um, one just graduated with chemical engineer, one being a mechanical engineer. And I tell them all the time, um, hey, guys, I am so happy that I am at the sunset of my career and you guys are just starting your career because you're going to have to deal with this churn <laughs> on managing an ICE versus an electric system for the entire duration of your career. And fortunately, I'm going to sort of ride off in the sunset <laughs> and not have to deal with it. So why do I give you that answer? I, I think the reality is it's going to take some time before ice fades away. The power density, the demand signal, the availability of charging, uh, all these things are going to require, like you mentioned, um, you know, I think you said Al Alberta, like there are remote austere locations like we have the distribution system for diesel or kerosene based, you know, these kinds of fuels globally and it's there. So you'll never be able to eat, not never. It will be much longer cycle to replace those machines. So do I think in my lifetime, ice is going away? No. Yeah. No, I, and I'm I, not just saying that because I have friends in the engine industry. Yeah. I think there's, the world requires more solutions than one. And they may not always be ideal, but our job is safety, safety first and productivity. Yeah. And just, it's just, it's just not perfect. You know, everything yeah. is a trade. Everything requires trade. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, 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 the there's certain, uh, certainly there's a lot of work on the infrastructure needed before you could ever say that, uh, that, that you could ever say, I think that that was going to change. So uh, let's take it back to uh, uh, the rental store. Let's say you're, uh, let's say you're a rental yeah. store owner. Uh, you're uh, hearing what we just said uh, about um, the, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, I do rent a lot of stuff in Toronto and they're using some regulation that you yeah. can't do, yeah. uh, do, do gas anymore. So you're going, geez, I got to electrify this fleet. Um uh, what do you tell that guy that he has to be mindful of, that he has to changes maybe that he has to make in the in, in the way he do, does things, maybe with his maintenance department? Um, um, what, what should what should he have top of mind if he's if he's going to try to do more with electrified lifts? I think actually the reality is in general terms, electrified lift is easier to maintain. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have to do some new training, but. What comes along with electrification is sensing suites and our ability to do remote diagnostics, which will help enable. So I think in the maintenance side, you can see improvements. Frankly, I think you're going to see the cost of operation. So total cost of operation is going to improve after that machine acquisition. I think the issues maybe the rental house will have to deal with is keeping a machine charged on a job site. Yeah. You know, how do we, we can't just deliver fuel trucks anymore. You can't just run around with a, you know, a five gallon diesel canister and fill up a machine. Mm -hmm. What happens if a machine runs out of power and it's in a dirty, muddy field? How do we retrieve that machine? Mm -hmm. So I think the maintenance will shift to ensuring machines are charged. Right. I think anybody who's been in this business long enough knows one issue we've had historically is uh, a logistics provider will show up to pick up a scissor, scissor lift, 
and they can't load the scissor lift on the trailer because the batteries have been depleted. And the renter said, hey, you know, it's, I did the work, I paid the rental fee, you know, somebody else has to deal with this. So then we had to equip sort of the logistics drivers with charging, portable charging solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is where that activity will shift to. How do we make sure machines are charged and ready? Yeah. And have available power. Maybe some kind of truck with a portable portable charging uh, systems on it, right. ge- generators uh, d- delivered with the machines, uh, that kind of thing uh, is, yep. a, is a possibility anyways. And you have some awesome, awesome companies in Canada working on this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen, I saw Lots some at the... Uh, I, I saw some at the uh, the ARA show last time. They actually had some pretty nice uh, remote uh, power storage uh, yeah. new things coming out, and uh, and that that looked uh, that looked like a good idea. Uh, yep. Nothing, yep. Nothing yep. else you can lots do. Charge your phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Lots of people working in the space um, yeah. trying to solve it. This is a problem. It's easy to see, easy to forecast, and that's an opportunity. So folks are working on it, trying to get there. Rob Messina, VP of Product Development at JLG. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Great conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for joining us for Counter Talks. You can find Counter Talks episodes online at CanadianRentalService.com or on the major podcasting services. Counter Talks is a presentation of Canadian Rental Service Magazine.